0: Ryan Holtz is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you The Ryan Holtz Show Podcast. All right, uh, everyone, welcome to another episode of The Ryan Holtz Show Podcast. Today, I have Mr. Wonderful and uh, there is literally no bio needed. Everybody knows who he is. He he definitely is my favorite shark. Kevin, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you
1: very much, Ryan. This is terrific to be
0: here. So so, how are you? What is, I would like to know because I want you know I watched tons of hours of video content about you and your Ask Mister Wonderful. What did you eat for breakfast this morning? I want to know the I- basic.
1: Yeah, this morning, actually, I had some pita bread toasted uh, with some cottage cheese, coffee, um, some fruit. You know, uh, I, I, I eat like breakfast. And I, got, I think I got up at around five o'clock in the morning. That's generally when I get up, get a lot of work done. And uh, then I start my day. And these days, because of COVID, I'm in front of the camera all day, you know, Zooming, doing meetings, producing content for my companies, whatever it is, the world's gone digital
0: it has it has now it's interesting because you're half Irish half Lebanese correct that's right now now my wife is Lebanese Egyptian um and her dad is a is a great business person as well but he's he, I, we call him a global citizen because he's traveled he you know he's throwing nuts in his mouth he loves his nuts but i said to my wife i said I wonder if Kevin likes pita. I wonder how much of the the Lebanese or Middle Eastern cuisine that he partakes in. So the fact that you're saying you just had a piece of pita is huge. How much does, do you, you, the Middle Eastern culture for you, how much does that bleed in for you? It does in multiple ways. I
1: mean, my mother was Lebanese, and my grandmother, uh, you know, uh, she was also. And there's a big tradition in the Lebanese community to have a very large family dinner on Sundays. And the, you know the family prepares it all day long. Invite the relatives, and I grew up that way. And I also learned from my grandmother and my mother how to cook. So I, I do a lot of cooking on my own. In fact, I have a business called Chef Wonderful on QVC now. And a lot of my <laughs> dishes are Mediterranean in nature, so baba nucc and uh, kibbeh and all of the things that take forever to make, I know how to make, and I'm pretty good at it. But it's a very time-consuming endeavor. But I love I love Lebanese food. The Mediterranean diet in the last 20 years has become to the forefront because you find many people living to very long life age uh, by eating you know olive oil olives vegetables um, reduced meats more fish that kind of thing and that's what I love about Lebanese food
0: now you, it's interesting because you're, you're you're all about numbers you're all about money we're going to talk about your love affair and seduction of money but when it comes to uh, budgeting. I, I read somewhere that you're spending, uh, depending on your business meetings. I know now it's different with COVID. Is it true that your your budget is about five grand a, a week on food, roughly, well, with it, all the outings to, and whatnot? It used to be.
1: It used to be. It would be sometimes more than that. I'll tell you why. When I, I, you know, before pre-COVID, I would travel every day. Um, you know, I have over fifty-six companies now in my portfolio. And they're all over Mexico, uh, U.S. and Canada. And so I was constantly on the road during the week. And, you know, the traditional business dinner is a time when you can get a lot of information from the head of sales or a CEO or the head of finance. And I'm in the wine business, so I'd like to be social about it. I always find a great bottle of Cabernet, particularly <laughs> O'Leary Fine Wine Cabernet, can soften the, the evening and get more information out of the CEO, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but I never want, I, I don't want anybody to buy me dinner, I don't want to be beholden to anybody, yes. I'll buy dinner. I will always pay for myself, and that way I don't owe anybody anything, it's just the mm. way I think about it. So yeah, my budgets for travel were crazy. I mean, just moving and then, you know, all the socializing. But we, but it was a business expense in the sense that, you know, we're running a pretty big portfolio, and that's that's mm-hmm. part of how we used to communicate. That's all gone now for obvious reasons, and the world has changed.
0: It's, it's interesting that you say that because you, you, you say, hey, I don't want to owe anybody anything. You talk about being debt-free. Your infamous story about being in the ice cream shop, the day your life changed, you know, $4,000 worth of ice cream sold. A lady says to you, Okay, all this gum's on the floor. Kevin, go pick that crap up. And I'm kind of segwaying there because do you feel that, of course, you know, you've said it in multiple times, and, and every time you tell the story, what's amazing about this is I always look at people that do a lot of interviews because I'm like, are they telling the story with the same emotion? And every time you tell that story, you can see that look in your face where you can, you can literally put yourself in that moment and feel how you felt during that time.
1: Yeah, I, I, it was very profound, and I always say, if you talk to entrepreneurs, you're going to find that pivot moment in their lives where they decide to take the risk themselves and pursue an entrepreneurial journey, which is very difficult. I mean, you know, it's not easy, and it's a lifestyle change for many years, but it's very motivating when someone humiliates you and controls you and has the power over you, and you don't realize it until it happens to you. And that i always remember that moment saying, wait a minute. She fired me. I'd never been fired before. I didn't even know what that was. But clearly, you know, what, what I learned that day is there's there's people that own the store, and then there's people who scrape the shit off the floor. And you have to decide which one you are. And it doesn't mean being an employee is a bad thing in any way. That's a good life for many people, but it's not for me. And I never worked for anybody again after that. So I, I have to thank her. I went back to try and find her years later uh, when I could afford to bulldoze them all if I wanted. But it all came... <laughs> It all came from her. I mean, she's the reason that, that uh, you know, that I could do that. So you have to, and I owe her that gratitude and it's a sort of pay it forward when I tell that story to other entrepreneurs that are starting their journeys.
0: Serendipitous, one of your favorite words that you like to use. I Every time I hear you tell the story, the one question I have about the story is this. Who was the girl that you like so much to go and take the job at the ice cream store across from where she worked. If I, if my memory serves me correct. Cause I was always curious because I felt like in this whole story, she plays a massive character as well, because yes. she's the one that really prompted you to even go to the ice cream store in the first place. So I'm like, I want to know who the girl is.
1: Yeah. She, you know, she still <laughs> exists and she she actually lives in Paris now and okay. we stay in touch I won't. I won't give you a name out of no, no, no. It's okay. Of course, but she, uh, you know, she still. um, I still communicate with her. Obviously, we've gone our separate ways. But that was a really er early puppy love journey, and you know how passionate that can be when you're a teenager. Of course, but it, it it certainly was extremely motivating for me, and she was part of it. You know, I wouldn't change anything in my life if I could, and that was part of a very difficult time for me. Um, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do and, and, and how I was going to work in the world. And as everybody has that journey. But, I, but what I learned about it looking back is there's that moment, that moment that you have to decide your direction and you have to you have to commit to it. It's like jumping off the cliff into the pond. Once you once you've jumped, <laughs> there's no turning back. And that's the way I looked at that moment.
0: Now it's interesting because I think about it. Now has she ever uh, reached out to you and said, "Hey, Kevin, I want to use one of your own stunts on you." I, I, first of all, I want to work out some sort of royalty deal or a licensing deal because <laughs> if it wa- if it wasn't for for me, maybe you wouldn't even been Mr. Wonderful today. Because you yeah, know, I, I often wonder what she thinks of that. You know, the context of it. I think
1: she I think she's uh, watched from afar. <laughs> you know, the outcome of this and and uh, had a real. You know, the the thing I always say to people is you can't make new old friends. And so as you go through life, you have to realize the value and the equity you build with people that you knew early on in your life. You just can't make those friendships again. And they should be treasured because they're incredibly valuable, but you don't know that till later.
0: Interesting. Okay. so, So one of your things you say a lot, which is awesome is, you know, money has no soul. But if I'm using the analogy, to me, I feel money always wants to be seduced. I feel like when it comes into a relationship with money, I like to use the example of going on a date. If you were to go on a date with somebody for the first time and you come into that date and you start asking all kinds of questions and being too aggressive, the date's probably not going to go well. That being said, if you go too far into the date and you don't make the ask, you could go into the friend zone. So if we were to put money into this, it's like, okay, you want to start the business. You're maybe kind of asking too much question too quick. Where's that sweet spot to make sure that you don't go into the friend zone and somebody reaches back and says, Hey, Kevin, could you get out of the way? Cause I'm just going to go grab the money bag here. What would you say yeah. to that?
1: Well, I, let's, there's, there's two real issues there and I think I'm glad you brought them up. But first of all. Regarding money what I've learned about money is if if you have a greed for money You're not going to be successful The the whole idea of money is you want a greed of freedom the whole idea of being an entrepreneur and pursuing that incredibly difficult Lifestyle because there's no balance in it even though people try and tell you there will be that's not Mm. true Is that it buys you financial freedom one day? So it's not the greed of money Now, regarding dating and i've i've written three books on this because you you have to ask yourself you know when you look back at marriage because i actually when i worked on my first book men women money i I went to a divorce lawyer and i said look you've been you've been a divorce lawyer for 30 years i want to just get some wisdom from you and he Mm. told me something really interesting he said you know if you look at at marriage 50% of those unions fall apart between five and seven years in North America, not because of infidelity, Mm. it's because of money. It's because one partner outspends the other and plunges the union into debt and financial Mm. stress. Financial stress ends marriages. And so that's where it fits in the whole idea of a family. You've got to marry somebody that has the same financial goals you have. And if you say, you know, in in the way it works in dating, as far as I'm concerned, you know by the third date if you're interested or not. I mean, (laughs) let's face it, and if you're going to go that far, you might as well start talking about money because (laughs) you you really want to find out before you commit that that person is the right parallel path with you on building a unit together. If you're going to get together, whether you get married or not, and you're going to build a life together, you better be in sync on money
0: or you're screwed. Well, to me, what you said there, too, I look at it as a form of financial infidelity. If somebody else, if your partner is out there spending like a crazy person and you're out there trying to make it and, you know, you know, if you spend more than you make, it's never going to end well for you. So to me, it's a it's a form of financial infidelity, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, the, the, the issue about
0: infidelity
1: and this is really intriguing. And again, I talked about it in the book after researching it. And This comes more from, from a psychologist really intriguing and i apply this to when i teach at harvard or mit i teach i i I lecture graduating cohorts of engineers because Mm. a third of those classes are going to turn into entrepreneurs start companies but there's a really great analogy between dating and marriage and business and here's Mm. how it works Mm. when you fall in love with somebody that's a magical time in your life there's no question about it and i wish that for everybody but let's say you're now three or four years into the relationship, either you have married or you're living together, whatever it is. And then the normalcy of it, and, and sometimes the routine of it, makes your mind start drifting, particularly if you're in your 30s. And one day you may cheat. And you, you know, that happens a lot. Yep. And you have to make a decision at that moment. And I'll draw the analogy to business in a second. When you do that, you have two choices. Do I just not disclose it? Or do I go home and admit what I've done and take the take the hit? And the remarkable outcome about this is incredible. You're going to get caught. It's just a matter of time. Even if you just do it once, you're going to get caught. People don't think that 100% of the time or 99% of the time they're going to get caught. When you do get caught, you are going to lose 50% of the equity of that relationship forever how can that person ever trust you again 100% they can't yes even though you may stay together it will not be the same relationship it'll be different now that's the same in business if you lie to a customer you lie to your partner you lie to an employee it changes the relationship forever and my whole point of that lesson is it would have been better to go back to your significant other and say listen I'm really sorry. I slept with somebody last night. I know I shouldn't have done that. I'm begging for forgiveness. Mm. It won't happen again. Mm. And come clean. You maintain the equity in that relationship. The same in business.
0: I like that. It's uh, it's interesting. You know, I you do so many of these interviews, and and I I really try to get you know when I when I speak to a guest, I, I first of all I'm speaking to a human being, and for me I always appreciate your time because. I always think that the the highest show of respect you could ever give to somebody is your time. It's the one thing you cannot get back. And as much as you love money, Mr. Wonderful, you can't <laughs> you can't buy that time, right? That's right. So, so I really, so I, really appre- I really appreciate you today for that. I want to talk about something that I feel is extremely important. And I tried to kind of go through a lot of uh, you know, I did my digital deep dive on you. Now it's interesting. I want to talk about currency, but not in the way of finances. I want to talk about cultural currency. And what I mean by that is, just to give you some preface, and it's not about me, but it's, if I go back to my childhood, I grew up extremely broke. I lost my mom when I was 13. My mom was a single mom. My whole world died. I have a football helmet on my back wall because my football helmet got me to where I am today and gave me that structure that I needed. And I think about being a half German, half Jamaican guy, and I like to tell the joke, if I did something wrong, the police officer's not going to be chasing me down the street saying, look at that half German guy. Clearly, right? <laughs> Just not going to happen for me. And I always looked about, I looked at business and I looked at people that look like me. What are they doing? You spend so much time in the United States. You spend time in Canada. For me as a business owner, when I walk into most boardrooms or I meet with so many people, I don't see a lot of black people in my in business. I wanted to ask somebody like yourself because you've met so many people now. And I'm not trying to go back into the days of of slavery and mentality because I I want solutions. I we all know what happened. What do you think of that? What would you tell Ryan or any other, you know, 13 to 18 year old boy at that time about doing business and, and walking into rooms and saying, you might not see a lot of people that look like you. Is there solutions or is is, is this ever been a thought in your mind of all your years doing business? Well, let me make
1: an observation after all these years. Great ideas, great business ideas, uh, great entrepreneurship, there is no race or creed that has a monopoly on that. That's Mm. equally distributed. What is not equally distributed is opportunity. Mm. And you are correct in saying that there are, you know, Black men and women don't get the same opportunities either in education or financing, or they used to not. But there's a tremendous move afoot now, and I'll give you an example from a great Canadian. The CEO of Shopify just last week announced a new initiative. He's got a million businesses on the Shopify platform, Mm. many of them mine. I've got almost (laughs) all my companies on that platform in addition to the work we do with Shopify. But he's specifically focusing on giving underserved communities an opportunity to, to build a franchise with him. And I think that's very important. Another company I'm involved with, I'm a shareholder in, and the spokesperson for is called Eureka. It's a spin-out out of Facebook. And anybody that wants to start a business should go to the boot camp there, regardless of mm. you know, what your ethnicity is. But they mm. are designed specifically to help underserved communities. And I want to be part of that because it's it's good business. Yes. The truth is there are fantastic ideas that people have. And it doesn't matter whether they went to school or it doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what color they are. What mm. matters is the idea and the opportunity. And as an investor, I want the opportunity to invest in those because yeah. I'm looking at it, you know, for the best return on my capital. And, mm. and, and I'm agnostic. So the opportunity is actually, you know, is a, there's a big multiplier. But I agree with you. You know, the the the, the, the great ideas are equally spread. The opportunities to actually invest in them or not and that has to change
0: it's interesting because i get a lot of questions from 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 black youth and they say hey ryan you know how how have you managed to cultivate where you are in life today and i said you know i did a really good job of making sure that i put myself in in arenas and places that it was all about prosperity and growth Uh, i remember i would go sit in the courthouse and watch criminal attorneys work their magic in a courtroom, just to see what it was like and what, you know, just everything I could pull from. And I always tell them with the internet now, a lot of people really crutch back on that victim mentality. You being a digital person, and I want to get into your YouTube and segue onto that because you have this segment called Ask Mr. Wonderful. And you, got all, you get all kinds of questions thrown at you. And the one thing I love about Kevin O'Leary is this. Even when I took it on my own social media in our audience and I said, ask a question, you got a lot of people that love you, but you can also bring out a lot of crazy chickens, my friend. <laughs> I mean, there is some... Cra- you, bring, it's, you bring out a very diverse palette of individuals. Talk about your YouTube channel because it's interesting. I remember actually you know kind of you know kind of the top let's say 25 30 channels out there and i remember watching you on shark Tank, and i said you know this guy's got to get a youtube channel or something going he's got you know you 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 got if you google have you ever googled kevin o'leary savage moments just do it for fun over a glass of wine one day you will love it but what prompted you to now really push out onto youtube and really start creating content there
1: you know, I, I have a, a, a big team of people I work with um, and, and, you know, the Shark Tank platform I'll tell you the, the, the genesis of the YouTube channel, the Shark Tank platform does one thing really, really well. It's the secret sauce is if you get eight minutes of network television and then you go into syndication, you, you touch 10 million people in a week. So mm-hmm. if you have a product or service and you're launching a new company, the biggest challenge you have today is customer acquisition costs Mm. and they're very very high and 80 percent of companies fail because after three years of operations they still have customer acquisition costs that are higher than the gross margin they make on the product or service they're selling so they go bankrupt basically they go bankrupt advertising when you get on shark tank you get 10 million people that see you and you're constantly being updated. So your customer acquisition cost is zero. Mm. That's the secret sauce of it. And so what we've learned over the decade that we've been shooting this show, we're actually in season 12 now, is each shark gets a very large social media platform. I have four and a half million followers on various platforms. Yes. And my number one job as an advocate for my entrepreneurs is to acquire more customers at the lowest cost possible. So we're constantly pushing out content on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, mm. on Twitter, that's relevant to my companies, their products and services. Mm. And what I've learned about these platforms, and Ron, and I'm sure you know this, is you need to be 100% honest and transparent. Oh. People people oh. smell bullshit a mile away oh. on any social media program. Oh. Oh. But yeah. in the la- last year, a lot of my companies came to me and said, Kevin, why are you not building a franchise on YouTube? So I'll, mm. I know the people that run you know, Google and YouTube, and I went to see them and we talked about it and it made a lot of sense to me and the time I had to commit, I'm working with wonderful editors and producers now Mm. that kind of do this. We get thousands of questions, thousands, Mm. and so what we try and do is categorize them into groups that are Mm. similar and try and answer, you know, four or five of them in each show. And you know, we started uh, 11 months ago, we had virtually nobody. Now we're at 291,000 or something, and I see no reason we can't be at a million in the next six months. We're just growing it. Mm. And I'm finding that dialogue, that two-way dialogue with you know, people that are interested in what I represent and what I do is really, really invigorating. And, and as you know, I, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful platform. It's different than LinkedIn. It's different than Twitter. It's it different is. than Facebook. And it, it, is. it requires a, a certain amount of focus, but it's a,
0: it's a great franchise we're building. The thing I love about YouTube, though, and it goes it goes in line with your message because you say, hey, if it's not working after three years, take it out the back barn and just put a bullet in it and call it a day. Go drink, go go dust yourself off and get back to work in 48 hours on your next venture. YouTube is merciless. Like when we look at comments, right, if you look on LinkedIn or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok, There's no place that has the comments in which YouTube produces for you. So if I, when I look at some of your videos, the comments that you get and the questions, some are very, very high level, you know? Some are extremely, extremely good that way. So for you, you feel that YouTube, if you were to pick, let's not talk about YouTube, but let's talk about Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Snapchat, or TikTok. Which one to you feels, just for you, not anybody who's handling your social media, Which one for you feels the most natural that speaks to your personality?
1: I I think the one where I'm really engaging the cross between the arts and business is LinkedIn. I have about two and a half million followers on that platform. I'm an influencer on it. It lets you do really deep dives into topic matter. Um, But, you know, it's different than YouTube. YouTube is is also interesting because, let's say you have a passion, in in my case, watch collecting, or Mm. guitar collecting, or photography. There's big verticals on YouTube where you can be a participant. I just did a three-part series with producer Michael on watch collecting, which Mm. is doing incredibly well, Mm. where we got really granular about, you know, what watches do we collect, why do we collect them, what is the merit over this dial, over that dial? That's, that's kind of crazy stuff that is of, of interest to a very, very large vertical market of, of, of people that love watches. And that's what, something you can do. The, the one thing that, that, that I found um, in the last seven months that really shocked me, and it's partly because of social media, and I could have never foreseen this, when we hit the pandemic with my portfolio of 50 plus companies, mm. and we started applying for the PPP loans, and this Ryan just blew my mind. Mm. I found out that our employees in our companies and the supply chain companies that service us or we sell to, so tens of thousands of people in their late 20s and 30s have nothing invested. They have only one or two weeks worth of cash in the bank account, and that's it. Nobody taught them how to save money. Mm. Nobody taught them about credit cards. Nobody educated them Mm. in high school about investing. That just stunned me because they were panicked. They were panicked thinking, you know, every company in my portfolio was losing money. They thought I'm going to lose my job and I'm going to be in a horrible situation. Mm. Well, that's put me on a whole new path. And I was hoping we'd talk about this today on financial literacy. For 2021, it's my number one mandate. I've invested heavily in a new platform called Beanstalks, which is a robo app. Um, I'm, you know, I, I helped design it. It's a way that my own employees can learn how to invest in a very simple way. And are you saying, to,
0: Kevin, you were saying that you could invest as little as $100 a month or something like that? Like the cost of entry to invest is not like anybody could do it.
1: Yeah, you can put 5 bucks aside a week. It doesn't matter. But if you actually okay. look at the numbers, the average salary in America is about $56,000. Yep. That means everybody can find a way to save 100 bucks a week. You put 100 bucks a week aside during your career – and if the markets do what they've done for the last hundred years, you'll end up with one and a half million dollars. Mm. And what we've been able, what we've done with Bean Stocks, it's an app you can download. It's mm. incredibly simple. You don't have to know what a stock or a bond is. It's all mm. done for you. And we use exchange-traded funds to get diversity, and we build portfolios. But the discipline, what I'm trying to drive in everybody's head that works for me is, don't buy that sneakers, don't that set mm. of sneakers, don't buy that T-shirt. You don't need another pair of jeans. Stop yep. buying all this crap. And start saving for yourself, yes. and put a hundred bucks aside, and just watch it grow. That's what Bean stocks is all about.
0: It's it's interesting too because you 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 know it's kind of it kind of segues the financial literacy. You just talked to you you just you and Evan Carmichael just did a, a YouTube video uh, not so long ago, and the topic of education came up. And I oh I love this topic because, in my mind, and yes, if you're a doctor, you're an engineer or an accountant. Yes, please go to school. I don't want a doctor that you know, has not went to med school working on my heart. I just don't. But uh, (laughs) when it comes to business or whatnot, I'm like, no, no, no. I don't, I never understood. Even coming up in school, I love sports. I, if you ask me, hey, Ryan, did you enjoy grade seven, grade eight, grade nine? I enjoyed the sports element of it. I thought I didn't really like to learn at that time. What I figured out as an adult was, Ryan, you love to learn. You just didn't want to learn all that the, the fluff stuff. And I felt like a lot of the time I spent in school, you still come out, you know nothing about investments. The average person, it's amazing. Go ask 10 people on the street right now if they understand how credit card interest works. Tell them to explain it to you. It's amazing how many people do not understand how the interest works on a credit card. Something very, very simple. For you being the financial literacy person and saying, don't go waste your money on junk. This goes into my suit that you're wearing. Same suit. Same suit. We see on any TV network, you got 25 of them. You talked a lot about, you know, your time with Steve jobs and how he'd wear that same outfit, the same, I call it the dad jeans and the white shoes. And that was his outfit. What, what, what for you, you know, kind of gives you that uniform mentality and how did you start doing that? Was that inspired from Steve jobs? Or is that something you said? I just want to minimize my decision fatigue, so to speak.
1: Well, I did work for Steve. Um, you know years ago we were the largest provider of his educational software for Macs in schools and in homes i had many meetings with him um, and his team he was a very difficult guy to work with and for um he was a genius but you know he was a very very aggressive guy and i remember so many crazy moments with him but he he was what he was and you can you know you can't dispute the success he had The the whole Shark Tank outfit, the uniform, um, came from my work with Mark Burnett in the early years of Shark Tank. And here's how and here's why. You'll understand this. When you shoot uh, a series like Shark Tank, Mm. you might shoot 10 or 12 deals in a day. You might start at 5 in the morning and end at 10 at night. But those won't just necessarily all go in the same show. They may show up in shows four or five months apart. Mm. And so... you. When when the other sharks wear different dresses or suits or different watches or cufflinks, they are put together into one pod. In other words, it it has to match. If you wear the same thing, you can be edited into any show. And the way that saves you time (laughs) is you don't have to do pickups. The rest of my sharks at the end of a day shooting have to sit there for another hour saying, I'm out, I'm in look to the left, look to the right, because they're wearing a different suit than they wore the day before. And so they need all those little sequences to be able to edit the show together. I walk right off the set because I've been wearing (laughs) the same thing for 12 years. Now I have 25 of these suits. I've got 25 ties, I got 25 tie pins, 25 shirts, 25 pants. They're all made from the same bolt. I had a master tailor make them. As long as I don't gain too much
0: weight, these are gonna last for another 10 years. (laughs) That's awesome. Which shark would you be least likely to lend money to?
1: Well, you know, the thing the thing about Shark Tank that you have to understand is um, and what makes it different than any other venture capital firm is all of those uh, people. All of those sharks are self-made millionaires and billionaires as operators. They actually operated a business. So they're not some mba kid with a spreadsheet trying to determine what business works and doesn't they came from different disciplines Mm. and so i i would lend money to any of them because i know them so well and i've worked so long with them and they've all they're also very successful in their verticals i mean i don't go into into uh you know clothing deals unless i'm taking damon john with me yeah if i'm going to go into security software i'm going to take robert hershevik with me you know it's sort of those different I'm the finance guy. I'm the guy that works in financial services. I have O shares. I've got bean stocks. You know, I have interest in a lot of uh, FinTech. That's what I do. I'm a Wall Street, you know, New York Stock Exchange guy. And, and that's different than what Laurie does. It's different than what Barbara does. And so the reason I bring this up is when a deal comes into the tank, it's impossible to bullshit us. We've mm. already seen it or done it before. Somebody has. And so we peel that onion pretty quickly. And that's significantly different than a venture capital firm because we have tens of millions of viewers. We have billions of dollars to invest. We're all operators and we have the advantage of being able to drive sales through zero customer acquisition costs. So I'd say we're the best venture capital firm in America. Nobody can beat us in terms of our returns.
0: And you you know, when I think of Shark Tank and I remember you from Dragon's Den as well, it's uh, you just love that concept of somebody coming down and just getting shit on, you know, in a little tank. I mean, I can just tell you, there's a there's a party that that really really enjoys it. How have you maintained? Like, if I was just, um, I, I try to picture you. I'm like, what would Kevin be like at age nine? You it's, it's, it is is it's funny because everybody says, "Oh, Kevin's you know he's the meanest one," and you you say it nicely. You're like, "Listen, I'm Mister Wonderful. I'm telling you the truth." And I do, I do have merit in that. I've always loved people that were, I always wanted to talk to the person that was brutal because I always felt like they actually cared. You know, They cared enough to tell you the truth in some respects.
1: Well, you know, business is one of the only disciplines where there's no gray zone. Uh, it's binary, either you make yeah. money or you lose money. And I think it's really uh, important to tell the truth to people when their idea has no merit and will end up in bankruptcy. Um, it's sort of uh, very disingenuous to encourage them to pursue something that you know is going to end in tragedy particularly if they're mm. mortgaging their home or something yes. now they may not want to hear that message and maybe uh, you know people don't like the fact that I tell the truth I'm pretty well the only shark that does that you'll hear a lot of oh listen I'm not going to invest but you keep doing what you're doing I find that so disingenuous because you know the reason they're not investing is they know it's a zero mm. and rather than tell them that they try and avoid that conflict i don't avoid that conflict because if you can't get by me the real world is going to chew you to pieces anyways and so you might as well hear the truth from somebody and you know frankly if they can't handle the truth i don't care it's still the truth it's not going to change it's still going to be a bad idea and they're going to go out and lose all their you know their money it's stupid and so i'd rather just keep doing what i do and you know if people don't like it i have to be honest with you i don't care (laughs)
0: I love that. I love that. Is there given given the COVID-19 landscape and when we waited out to our audience for questions, lots of questions came around that. Is there any opportunity that you haven't mentioned publicly that you feel like maybe in the last, I don't know, three to six months that you're kind of like, hmm, there's a big problem there. And maybe there's a solution for it. Is there anything off the top of your head that you kind of said, hmm, there's something there. I think there's some good opportunity. There, there
1: is a huge digital pivot going on in America, um, you know, if you looked at a typical company before the pandemic, let's say in January of this year, 50 percent of its sales would have been coming from retail at a 50 percent gross margin. And then March and April come along and we completely shut down the economy and those companies basically start losing money because they have lost half their sales. And the ones that have survived in my portfolio, 80% are doing very well now after seven months, and 20% are going bankrupt. The ones Mm. that are involved in the cruise lines, entertainment, business travel, food services to restaurants, the wedding industry, they're all failing. And there's nothing we can do about that because consumer preferences have changed. Mm. Movie theater services, I don't think movie theaters are going to make it because people have become so accustomed to watching streaming and are very comfortable to watch even tentpole blockbusters at home. The screens are very large, they're very cheap. Disney's launching its its tentpole on Christmas Day for families to watch at home. They're going to avoid the entire movie theater structure. So that's all happening very quickly and accelerated by COVID. So when you talk about opportunities, what I found is the companies that have been successful have used the digital technology like a Shopify, like a Facebook, like a DocuSign, like a JD.com, a Wix.com. All of these companies that enable digitization direct to consumer sales Mm. and so they've they've repurposed their messaging and, and the way it manifests itself that you can really understand is i used to be asked all the time by you know kids going to college what degree should i take that will guarantee <laughs> me a job and i always say well there's three degrees there's engineering, engineering and engineering, <laughs> but but since but since March, here's what's blowing my mind. You know that old adage about the starving artist.
0: Yes, I
1: I am hiring editors all around the world, videographers, photographers, copywriters, and I'm having to compete for them because my companies are digitizing their offerings online and they need those talents. So all of a sudden, if you're a good video editor, instead of making
0: Hey everyone, I know you're enjoying this episode. Just a couple quick messages. First off, this episode is sponsored by Ryan Holtz Marketing, a social media digital creative agency that does branding, personal branding, staff training, sales training, and all your marketing needs. Visit ryanholtz.ca or send an email to info at ryanholtz.ca and reach out. The next message is, we are on youtube please visit youtube.com forward slash ryan holds and subscribe to our channel as this is where we put all our video versions of the podcast that you're enjoying now on another thing itunes itunes loves us we love itunes we love you we want to keep bringing you the show we need your support and we need your review so if you're listening to this on itunes Please take two seconds to write us a glorious review. Then go over to Instagram, at Ryan one Tag me in the story so I can repost it, reshare it. I appreciate the love. And again, if you're a business owner listening to this podcast, which I know you are, we have a lot of business people, or you know of a great business that would love to partner with The Ryan Holtz Show, we are looking for sponsors. We're always looking for great partnerships. So again, reach out, info at ryanholtz.ca. Come say hi on social media, at ryanholtz One. And let me know what you thought of the episode. Take care, and remember, curiosity should always be your mandate. Much love from the Team Holt squad.
1: Twenty grand a year, you're making one hundred and fifty thousand a year because everybody wants to hire you, and you're booking yourself out mm. for X dollars an hour. If mm. you're an artist, if you're a photographer, all of a sudden these 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 degrees that to me seemed very risky at best are now coveted by the new digital world. So mm. that just shows you what's changed in just seven months. Storytelling in business mm. is now one of the most important things you can do.
0: You know what's interesting too, Kevin, that's beautiful, is you can go sh- shoot all your videos, go for dinner at 5 or whenever you go for, you send it to somebody across the world in a different time zone, you wake up at a 7 a.m. and your content's ready to be dished out. It's that's a beautiful... what we do. Yes. Yeah, that's what we
1: do. We have editors all over the place and they have specialties and... You know, I, I went and shot another uh, version of an, for next week of Ask, another episode of Ask Mr. Wonderful in the park here in Boston, where I am right now. Mm. And uh, got some really interesting questions. Sat on a park bench, shot it with two cameras, digital technology. Had a zoom session with the editor and the producer. Talked a little bit about I, the direction I thought it should go in, and they went to work and they cut it in 11 hours. Mm. And so, they, and they they're all over the world doing this. You know, we're animating it. We're adding all mm. kinds of. Talents that come from different platforms, and that's how business is. And so that time shifting mm. is really very, very, very productive in a way we couldn't do
0: it before. So let me ask you this. Do you think content is a form of currency now, given the I digital do, landscape?
1: I do. I mean, I just look at how these, um, the successful companies have taken content and the ones that are really killing it and doing so well and growing their business now have been able to be great storytellers. to almost be producers, to create a Mm. 59-second story about their product or service Mm. that's immensely compelling that they can post on Instagram and drive hundreds of thousands of eyeballs to their site and sell more stuff because people engage in the messaging. And that's very different than what it was just two years ago.
0: Do you think shooting for your YouTube channels made you a better uh, business person overall? The reason I ask that is... um, when you're out there moments that maybe even before you're like, "Oh, it's it's a moment." I'm sure your brain is like, "Where's that GoPro camera at? Where's that?" Cuz it's that off the cuff type of B-roll footage that people just love, you know? You walk up to, to somebody and you're shaking their hand and they ask you a quick question on the side of a a back alley, you know? It they love it. Does your mind start to think about things a little differently you think?
1: Well, I'm, I'm fortunate because my very first job in the 80s, the mid-80s, was an, an editor, a film editor, mm-hmm. an eight-plate Steenbeck, yeah. um, which is technology that doesn't even exist anymore. But, and I've been editing, producing, and shooting film since the 80s. Uh, I used to work in sports television behind the camera. and Now my, I find myself in front of it, but I haven't lost my chops as an editor. I, uh, I cut uh, film every weekend. I use Premiere Pro. I want to keep my chops up. You know, I like to think that storytelling is very important for mm. business and communications. And you do that today digitally through video, through sound, through editing, through cutting the mm. story. You know, my daughter um, got a job back in the early days of Shark Tank. She was 17. We got her a P.A. job, production assistant. They had to get up at three in the morning and work <laughs> 10 at night. And I got Mark Burnett to bring, I wanted to show her how tough that industry was so she would pursue something else. But she loved it, and uh, she got Mark to write her a letter, and she got into NYU Tisch, and she graduated as a producer. And now she's working in New York producing television commercials, and she just cut her first documentary called Gone Viral about the Ken Bones story about that guy with the red sweater on last election cycle, and she made a short doc, and it just got picked up yesterday by The New Yorker. So she's published now. And I like to think, although it's probably selfish of me to think that, that she got her editing chops, her storytelling chops, her producer chops, her filmmaking chops from me, from, you know, her father. But who knows if that's true or not. But that runs in our family. We're great storytellers. We're great editors. And that that documentary, Gone Viral, is spectacular. I mean, I think she's going to win some awards for that. Uh, It's only six minutes, but it
0: tells a hell of a story. It's so interesting, Kevin, if you look back at pictures of you in... You know, your hair looks beautiful, by the way. But when you had a little <laughs> more hair back in the day, um, it's, you know, I look at you now. You're very interesting because you are like a great split of arts and just ve- like left brain, right brains going for you. Linear. It's amazing because you've you've combined your arts and then you're just all numbers. You don't see that a lot in human nature. If I talk to an accountant, he's like, whoa. Ryan, what are you what are you talking about with that? Like, very very dialed in. If I talk to an engineer, very very dialed in. You know, an artsy person, a marketer is like, you know, two plus two does equal five. You know, we can make it equal five or four ninety nine, right? How do you kind of go back and forth? I had a really great guest before, and he 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 said it great. He said, Ryan, I'm actually I'm actually two personalities. I'm Joker and I'm Batman. It just depends on who shows up at the office that day. And he's like, I really mean that. Do you kind of have some alter ego to, 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 to juggle both worlds for you, do you think? I tell all my
1: executives that I work with that, you know, the key to success in business is to find something that is completely different, that's total chaos, and that's the arts, whether you pursue music or photography or painting or drawing or, you know, watch collecting or guitar collecting, something that has nothing to do with your primary focus so that your mind can have a yin and a yang. A Korean idea of balance in it and I think that's really really important so when I'm hiring people particular executives from my operating companies I always ask first what else they do because I'm always intrigued by the candidate that tells me they're a dancer or they're an artist or a musician Mm. in addition to the skill set they're bringing to market to us as an executive those tend to be the most successful people because they've got a balance Mm. that really inherently helps creativity I get my best ideas when I'm just, you know, rocking on my guitar and mm. I'm or I'm taking pictures or, you know, yeah. I'm I, I spent two hours this morning working on my watch collection. Um, you know, I have a very, very, very large watch yes. collection. There's a huge community of people out there. We love and they're all around the world and we communicate 24 seven about new trends, new dials, new movements, new pieces that come to market. I love that stuff. It completely is different than what I'm doing when I'm looking at somebody's balance sheet.
0: I gotta ask you a really nerdy, techy question because I feel like your phone now is the remote control to your life. You you use an iPhone, right? On a daily basis. I have have an
1: Android phone, and I have I carry two numbers around, two different service providers, um, because I want to stay, you know, as they say, au courant on both platforms. So I'm very good at Android. I'm very good on the Apple iOS, and you know, I'm I'm able to just work with
0: both. Which phone would which would you prefer if you had the pick? They said, hey, you can only take your iPhone or you can take your Android.
1: Well, you know, (laughs)
0: Android is
1: uh, from a – I buy these uh, devices for their cameras and their ability to shoot, you know, high-def video because I'm constantly shooting for my companies. And currently, until we get the Pro Max out next week, um, Samsung is ahead in Mm -hmm. terms of their their technology on cameras. But, you know, it's a horse race. There's always one over the other, which is why I say – you know, if you, if you look at the content that I'm shooting, um, I, have, I have a wide range of cameras and I still shoot film. I've got Hasselblads and Leicas and I do a lot of work and transfer it over digitally. But the, the iPhone, um, you know, certainly has a very intuitive interface. Mm. But when it comes to just raw technology, Samsung is still ahead. And mm. I noticed the refresh on the new 12 is still 60 hertz. That's crazy. I mean, there's yeah. why isn't it 120? I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> they didn't fix that up. But it just shows you they don't feel they need to be at the cutting edge. They can be one generation behind on certain things.
0: Interesting. Uh, I know your time is precious. So I wanted to incorporate a quick Ask Mr. Wonderful edition. So I waited out. We had literally a couple thousand questions come in um and uh i we actually had seven video pitches and i said we're not gonna have time for video pitches i was impressed that people sent in video pitches uh, I love that. first question todd hartley out of scottsdale arizona from linkedin which shark would you be least willing to give a loan to you answered that and basically said i would give them to everybody who would yeah. be the
1: number one
0: you would give a loan to
1: uh, the, the, the number one shark, no question, I'd work with is Mr. Wonderful. That guy's fantastic.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Raquel Martinovich, and I love this question, from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, asks, what suggestions would you give an almost 50-year-old single parent on how to start building their financial future again from scratch?
1: The key to that is, is actually quite simple. Number one is to eliminate credit card debt, which is being priced out at 18 to 21% a year. Nobody can deal with that. I mean, you, you can't make 18 to 21% every year in the market, and yet credit card companies do, and that's why I invest in them. I have lots of holdings of credit card companies because that is a crazy amount of profit to make off an individual who can't pay back their loan. So that's number one, is to retire the credit card debt. And then the key is to reduce your spending habits by 15%, which sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. And take that money, even if it's only a few hundred bucks a week, even if you're in your 50s and invest it across a very diverse portfolio of equities. And what you'll find over time is that even though there's volatility in the market, the recompounding of dividend yields and you know, the constant growth over time of equity valuations. That by the time you're probably 65, you'll have a pretty nice little nest egg, even if you're only putting a few hundred bucks to work. But it's the discipline change of not buying crap mm. and number one, getting rid of the credit card debt. Like you're sitting on $4,000 or $5,000 of credit card debt and paying 21% interest on it. It's very hard to get yourself up from under that rock.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. Uh, Sam and Paulina from Memento, Alberta. It took a few calls for, I love this question, and shout out to Nancy. It took a few phone calls and a personal meeting with your publicist Nancy to convince her to come work for you with so many other candidates wanting to be Mr. Wonderful's right hand who would love the chance what about Nancy drew what about Nancy pulled from you to somewhat pursue her to come for you and I want to actually up this question a bit how does somebody make themselves attractive to get a whale, let's call it a whale, somebody who's extremely uber successful in life, attention without being annoying and just, you know, me, 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 me. How do you attract that type of attention?
1: Well, I think this goes for anybody that's seeking a career that they would find interesting. When you send, here's just some 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 thoughts that I've observed over decades of, you know, hiring people, hiring and firing, I might add. I like to hire slowly and fire quickly. But it's sort of, when you write a letter to somebody, do not ever make it more than three paragraphs. They're not going to read it. Mm. And in the first paragraph, explain to me what problem you can solve for me. Because I'm not interested in what your dog's name was when you were in high school or where you played football. I couldn't care less. Mm. What matters is, what can you do to help the rest of my team solve problems and grow our business? Mm. What specific skill do you have? And what evidence that you can execute on it do you have? And if you can put that in a paragraph, you'll probably catch my attention. And so, you know, it's sort of, the, the biggest mistake people make is they write, you know, like this, this nine-page letter, which I'm never gonna read, I don't have time. Mm. And, you know, no one's gonna read it because they don't have time either. We're really, really busy, but we are always looking for great talent that can help us grow our businesses. So I always tell people in the first, and I you know, tell my kids this too when they're applying for work, I wanna see in the first three sentences what problem you can solve and how fast you can do it. Because I guarantee you, if that gets in the right person's hands, they're gonna wanna talk to you. And indeed, it works. So that's number one. And I also, as I mentioned earlier, show me something else you do besides keep telling me you're so great in business. Are you a dancer, are you an artist, are you a musician? What else do you do that shows me you're a balanced person in terms of your yin and yang of thought, Mm, processing and, and idea. You know problem solving that that's very powerful to me anyways
0: that's huge i, lo- I love that uh last question's a prickly one and you know i kind of thought hmm is this gonna be good but it's a very pointed question camille dundas out of toronto ontario says i wonder if he has any regrets about the deals he's turned down on shark tank like for example in 2015 when he dismissed melissa butler's lip bar business a vegan lipstick line for black women calling her and her business partner cockroaches Today, today's lip bar is now worth $7 million. Also, does he think short-sightedness and his bias, such as the one he showed in 2015, is of the contributing reasons black founders are still getting a sliver of the VC funding pie? Again, I, I haven't fact-checked any of this. This is just verbatim of Camille's question. You
1: no, know, I remember the deal. I remember the deal, and I congratulate them on their success. I wish every entrepreneur success. But, you know i have to make decisions myself as they come in front of me whether i want to go on the ride with them or not the problem with the makeup industry cosmetics is it is a brutally competitive space the fact that they're still around and are now worth seven million just shows how talented they are and i will admit mm-hmm. that i'll be the first to admit it because you're dealing with some behemoth companies that want to protect their growth margins in a way that you know is just vicious at the shelf mm-hmm. and the transition to online has been difficult for cosmetics during the pandemic because people are not going out as much and don't need to wear as much makeup if they're staying at home watching Netflix. And mm-hmm. so we've seen that in, in our businesses that are involved in the beauty, and, you know, aid area. It's been very, very tough. But, you know, that de- I wouldn't do that deal tomorrow if somebody brought it to me. But the fact that they've survived and are successful, I give them 110%. That's spectacular. I'm very happy
0: for them. I like that. Now, the second one was the the black founders are still getting a sliver of the VC funding pie. Do you even agree with that? What would be your thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: I I do agree with that. And I'm very involved in trying to change that. As I said earlier, opportunity, there's no monopoly. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or whatever, you know, creed you come from. Great ideas are spread equally amongst people. Now, the great opportunity that I see coming for any entrepreneur, black mm. or white or anything, mm. is equity crowdfunding. I am taking many of my companies to platforms like StartEngine, I'm mm. a shareholder in StartEngine, yep. where you bring your idea, you tell someone in you know, 90 seconds or less why it's, it has merit, and you raise money, two or $300 at a time from millions of people.
0: Mm. And
1: that's what crowdfunding is all about, and we have really focused on that. Beanstalk's crowdfunded. I have another one uh, that's about to close this week, a third that's going live today. Um, We're continuing to use that platform because you get to sell your customers and they become advocates and shareholders in a way that venture capital can't. So you can't even get a meeting with a lot of VCs right now because of the pandemic. Why not engage in equity crowdfunding instead? The way the rules work is it's called a CF round. You're allowed to raise 1,070,000 on the first round. And then unlimited amounts in in subsequent A rounds on the platform. You can go to startengine.com and just have a look at all the deals that are on there right now and the money being raised every day. I think equity crowdfunding is the solution to anybody that's being frustrated by the typical venture capital community.
0: My second last question, you talk about wealth gives you freedom, and you love the fact that you look at your calendar and you say, I don't want to do that or I'm going to do that, and you don't have to do anything. If you don't want to go anywhere, you don't have to go anywhere, and you love the freedom aspect of it. What is one thing you avoid in your life like the plague, an activity, something where you just cannot stand it? You're like, I'm not doing it.
1: Well, you said something earlier that I think rings true to everybody. You should understand, no matter how old you are, that your most valuable asset is your time. And, and And I want to spend my time you know, on things that really matter to me, that, that I find interesting. Everything I do every day, we talked about Nancy, I go over next week with her, probably this afternoon, and if there's anything on there that I don't wanna do, I just don't do it, uh, because I wanna do the things that mean something to me, that are in, in you know, either interests that, some, that mean something to me, that, or my family, or, you know, my kids, or my companies. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate, I find myself in a place in life where I, I, I can do whatever I want. And I and I feel that I have earned that working very hard as an entrepreneur in my early years to achieve financial freedom. Mm. So what I what I really, really disdain is wasting my time. And so mm. maybe I'll be you know blunt when somebody says, look, can you do this or that? And I say, No, that is not something I want to spend my time on. It means nothing to me, it doesn't interest me, and and I would rather spend it, you know, cooking with my kids or doing mm. whatever it is I'm gonna do. But I really treasure you know, blocking a day together with the things that really matter to me. And I think if you have a focus like that in your life, you'll be a much happier person. That It's very frustrating to find yourself in a situation where you don't know why you're doing it. So the answer is don't. That's mm. my point.
0: I love that. My last question is, what can I do for you, Mr. Wonderful? I appreciate your 54 minutes and 46 seconds of time that you're never getting back, my friend.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad we had this dialogue very in- obviously you're good at this Ryan and I think it's terrific and I'm spending a lot of time you know spreading the word with people like you I think it's important I, I my, my big thing now and I'll end on this note is for 2021 that's coming up in just a matter of weeks mm. is financial literacy I am so freaked out by what I saw this year in March with my own team my own base my own employees I have got to make Beanstalks a phenomenal success I want millions of people using it it's a free app download it check it out b-e-a-n-s-t-o-x see what it can do for you but above all start to invest in yourself that is my mission for 2021
0: and everybody who's listening, I will put Kevin's YouTube channel and the link to his Beanstalks app. He is pushing both of those rightfully so. It will be all over everything. Okay, yes, I
1: screwed that up. That's Nancy's <laughs> fault. I'm going to blame her. <laughs> Listen, everybody, third attempt here. Welcome to the
0: Holtz Show podcast. Did I get it right? Perfect, Kevin. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you and blessings to your family. And shout out to Nancy.
1: Ryan, you're a great guy, and you're very good at this. It's obvious. Take care, my friend.
0: I appreciate you. Take care, Kevin. Ciao. Thanks. Bye-bye.